The gospel reading for this morning comes from Mark's gospel, beginning in the 11th chapter at the first verse. And Mark wrote, When they were nearing Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany on Mount Olives, he sent off two of the disciples with instructions. Go to the village across from you. As soon as you enter, you'll find a colt tethered, one that has never yet been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Say, the master needs him and will return him right away. Well, they went and found a colt tied to a door at the street corner and untied it. And some of those standing there said, what are you doing untying that colt? And the disciples replied exactly as Jesus had instructed them, and the people let them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus, spread their coats on it, and he mounted. The people gave him a wonderful welcome, some throwing their coats on the street, others spreading out rushes they had cut in the fields. Running ahead and following after, they were calling out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in God's name. Blessed the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And he entered Jerusalem. And then he entered the temple, and he looked around, taking it all in. But by now it was late, so he went back to Bethany with the twelve. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O oh Lord, how often we have filled your church with hustle and bustle. Forgive us for trying to fill sacred space with things not of the Spirit. May we be well aware of the difference between dead silence and living stillness. Be with us as we think about your word for each of us this day. Amen. You know, I think perhaps the most incredible thing about Mark's version of the Palm Sunday experience is really how anticlimactic it all is. All of the excitement of the parade, the crowds cheering, the road strewn with coats and with branches, all really leads to nothing. Jesus enters the city, he goes to the temple, and then he turns around and goes back to Bethany because it was already late. And whatever people expected to happen just didn't seem to happen. Their expectations and Jesus' agenda seemed to be a little bit apart, shall we say. So at the end of the day, after all of the excitement, nothing happens, expectations unmet. Now all of us know the story. Jesus was born in a borrowed place and laid in a borrowed manger. As he traveled, he had no place of his own to spend the night. He rode into the city on a borrowed donkey he ate his final meal in a borrowed room. 
He was crucified on a borrowed cross, wearing a borrowed crown that jokers had stuck on his head. And when he died, somebody placed his body in a borrowed tomb. Jesus, you see, was a borrower. He did not grab or grasp what did not belong to him, but shared what was given to him fairly. Hosanna, they called out. The people cheered. They looked at Jesus, this prophet, rumored to be the Messiah, and they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, save us. And I wonder as we enter Holy Week, if that same cry could still be on our own lips all of these years later. Now the people of the time, they were worried about Rome, the occupying army. They wanted Jesus to save them from the Romans. It was a practical concern. Save us from them. Can we be honest about what is behind our Hosanna cry today? When we now cry out, save us, what is it really that we want God to save us from? Save me from my anger. Save me from my cancer. Save me from depression. Save me from problems in my family. Save me from all of the violence around me. Save me from staring at the ceiling at 3 o'clock in the morning, wondering why I'm even here. Save me from loneliness. Save me from myself. Save me from all of my fears. You see, at its very core, I really believe that Palm Sunday is a primal cry arising from the most vulnerable places within us. We get caught up in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of our friends and our family, in the anticipation of something big about to happen, and we can feel the cry coming from deep inside our spirits, Hosanna, save us, heal the brokenness, make me feel safe, take all this bad stuff away, remove us from oppression, free us, save us. And when those cries come from our mouths, I think we need to ask, will God do something? How does it work? And these are difficult questions, but I really think we experience the answers in the story of the rest of this week. The people shouted, they recognized the opportunity to be free in the person of Jesus, Freedom from Rome, save us. But then you see, Jesus didn't set out to save them in the manner in which they'd been led to believe that he would. He did not take up a sword, lead an armed rebellion that would have sent the Romans packing with their Roman tails between their Roman legs. 
Instead, we know that he went and observed Passover Seder with his friends. And then he went out to a garden to pray. And then was captured, tried, and put to death on a cross. This does not at all seem like the work of saving that we had requested. So we may well ask, what does it look like to be saved by God? Well, perhaps we need to look again. You know, one of the most important threads, I believe, that runs through the story of Jesus from the beginning to the end is this whole notion of God coming to be with us. How does God being with us save us? Well, I'm not entirely certain. But I do believe that a good part of it involves a God who steps right into life with us. In all of its joy and in all of its suffering, experiencing what it is like to be born and to live and what it is to suffer and to die. God comes. God shows up in incredible ways through the most unlikely people in awkward times. God answers our cries to save us in unexpected ways but with impeccable timing. So in retrospect, perhaps there is no better way in which to begin Holy Week than to march around the sanctuary waving palms, asking God to once again save us. It is from our most broken places that those cries bubble to the surface. So stay alert and be honest. Because you see, Jesus the borrower is borrowing your secret sorrow. And by the end of the week, he will try to keep it and will try his best not to give it back to you. So you see, salvation work, it's being done. Keep the faith. Amen.